The Tough Love and Second Chances podcast is written and produced by Tony Bennett on behalf of Edgar and reveals remarkable stories of those who refuse to be defined by their disability. The power of the human spirit shines through with examples of how hope, courage, and the opportunity to express oneself through the game of golf makes for a combination that can improve and even save lives. I first met Christopher Biggins in Richmond, Virginia, where he was in the process of winning the US Disabled Open. I knew that Chris had qualified as a PGA of America professional, that he was the head coach of the junior program at his golf club, that he played golf in the summer and would ski in the winter. I also knew that Chris had cerebral palsy. From this background information, we set up a call to talk about his impairment, golf and lots of other topics. I hope that you enjoy my conversation with Christopher Biggins. Okay, Chris, so uh, great to, to catch up with you. I saw you for the very first time, I don't know, maybe two or three weeks ago over in Richmond in Virginia, and you were playing, and well, not only playing, but you were in the, you were in the process of winning the U.S. Disabled Golf Association's uh, Open Championship, so congratulations for that. Uh, Thank you. Tell me, um, where where, am I, where do I find you today? Where where are you? So right now I'm in uh, Maryland, in the United States. I just got um, finished up with my brother's wedding. About to head back to work tomorrow and fly back, but I got a day at home here in Maryland. Right. So you're with the folks. Yes. Uh, uh, and tell me about your work. What is it you do, Chris? So I'm a teaching professional at the Country Club of Birmingham. So I teach golf for a living and I also my biggest thing I do is I run our junior program and so I'm out there with the kids and uh, trying to help out the next generation of golfers that sounds great how did you get involved in that well I played um, I wanted after high school I wanted to play golf in college and um, the college that had the best opportunities for me was called Methodist University it was a professional golf management school and um, I could play on the team there, and I just got more love for golf. And by going to that professional golf management school, you got a business degree, and you also got your professional golf association um, class A certification. And so basically, everyone in our program goes on their career path is to be PGA professionals, teaching professionals, and mm-hmm. uh, like head professionals, and things like that. So, how long ago was that, Chris? So, I graduated college in 2014. Um, so I've been working in Birmingham for the past five years. And is Birmingham anywhere near to your your, your home place? I know you're in Maryland now. I guess that's your, your original birthplace, yeah? Yeah, yeah so uh, I grew up in Maryland. Um, so it's, yeah, it's good 13 hours away by driving um, from my home place. And so tell me a little bit about how you first got involved in golf, because clearly golf has been pretty important to you over the years. Yeah, so early on, my uh, my dad worked at a, a shotgun range in um, Prince George County, which is like a, and they have a parks and recreation department. So the same organization runs the um, shotgun range and golf courses and rec centers in the area. And so my dad had a friend who's a golf professional at a local golf course called Enterprise. And so um, instead of going to, like during the summers, he would drop us off in the morning at this golf course and we'd help out the professionals like Phil and Davids or vacuum something early in the morning feel like we were doing something in the afternoon we'd be able to play golf um and then we get picked up after my dad went to work so we first got started it was almost like a little daycare thing um 
revolving around golf. And we had the, the seed planted there. And that was like when I was seven or eight. And then uh, just from then on, we got uh, more into it through the First Tee program, which is a, a great little junior program that makes it um, affordable for juniors to get into golf. Um, met a bunch of friends out there, and that just became the thing to do during the summer is go play golf. And so any of those players that you grew up with, they turned pro as well? Now, um, I kind of left that area there. Uh, uh, my brother, we all play different sports. It's more of a, a fun um, environment there. Um, and then afterwards, um, like high school golf became the, the center of it. But that was really the, the starting place that got made a, made golf fun for us so we would gain interest. There's a few players that I knew play in, in college from that uh, little group, but none professionally. And did you play lots of other sports, Chris, when you were when you were growing up? Yeah, I mean, we played everything. Um, I mean, we played baseball, soccer, um, like football in the yard, basketball in the yard, like literally any team sport we made up, we played everything. Cool. And tell me a little bit about your impairment, Chris. So I have cerebral palsy, and the way it affects me is my leg muscles are super tight. It doesn't really do much, like, above my belly button, I'm fine, but I have, um, like, lordosis in my lower back, which is, like, the spinal curve, and that was caused by my cerebral palsy and tight muscles. So some of my muscles are overactive, and they're almost constantly contracting, and others uh, are trying to fight against those, but they're weaker, so they don't really have much they can do so for example like my quads are super tight and my hamstrings are very weak and my calves are very weak and so it's just a combination of some muscles are super tight and some muscles are super weak and so how do you deal with that on a day-to-day basis it's a lot of uh stretching and working out and um you have to constantly get on it if i take a few days off from being active then i get like extremely tight for example like after my flight today, sitting in a few hours, I'm going to be very tight getting off the flight. It might take a day or two to, to get back from that. But just constantly moving around, um, going to the gym, walking, trying to be active, which helps that um, my job allows me to be outside. It's probably why I chose that right. path over other. Because I'm constantly outside and constantly moving. So you just have to be, be smart about how you, you stretch and how you work out and do the right things to, to help the muscles that need it. So to some degree, golf is actually just part of your fitness campaign. Yeah, exactly. And so at what point did you start to think about turning professional? Because it's a bit of a jump to go from being an amateur player to a collegiate player and then to become a professional. And yes, it's the normal trodden path for for many people. Um, But it's not everybody that does it. So at what stage did you start to think, well, this is something I really want to get involved in? Well, I mean, I just, I kind of loved the game, and I was thinking about other options that I could do in my life, and I really wanted to be an athlete. So, like, for myself, my main underlying goal in my whole life, because I love sports growing up so much, that I wanted to have a career that revolved around sports. And I didn't know what that would entail, um, but golf was the sport that um, stuck out the most, like, in in high school, and because I think I was better at golf than any other sport. And with my disability, golf um, is a sport that limits people who are disabled the most of almost any sport, really. Because um, we can still we can still compete. And um, I decided that I just 
I don't know. I just always loved it. And, uh, I wanted to see how far it could take me. And so I still, I'm, I'm not, uh, certainly not, not good enough to be a playing professional, um, in a sense, but, um, teaching professional and playing as much of these events as I can is, uh, keeping my love of the game. Uh, my guess is that you'll play most of your golf with, and I'm going to use this word, which, which is probably the wrong word, but regular type players as opposed yeah, to playing yeah. with disabled players, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So my first disabled event wasn't until 2016. Other um, than that, was always able-bodied golf, I guess what we call it. And what was it like going to your first disabled event? What, what did you learn from that? That was really cool. That was um, 2016. It was the... United States Adaptive Golf Alliance's championships in um, Oregon at a course called Pumpkin Ridge. And that's where I first met all these other disabled golfers. I had never met um, like a disabled golfer and actually got to play with them. And I was blown away. I remember playing my last round there with Juan Pastigo and um, Chad Pfeiffer. And I mean, I remember I played well in that tournament. I remember leaving thinking I could have shot 150 and still had the absolute time of my life because it was so cool meeting all those guys and seeing like a group, like I guess a group that I fit into there. Um, and they were, I mean, they were just good for their disabilities. They were good, period. And it was, it was awesome to see. Well, I had the pleasure of meeting Chad uh, a few weeks ago over in the States and he seemed like a really nice guy. And he's obviously a good player. Obviously, I would know Juan Postigo much better because we've we've had one over here playing in Europe for quite a number of years. Mm-hmm. And I think I first saw him play when he was about fourteen or fifteen years of age. Uh, but both seem to be really good guys, and you know they're both just really nice human beings. But also they're really good players as well. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, they, they certainly are an inspiration to anybody who watches them to play. But but you're also an inspiration to people too who watch you play because. You know, you play really well. You've given yourself a, a little bit of a low billing there where you say you're not good enough to play the game for a living. But, and you know, obviously there's not many people that are. Um, but you're a good player and, and you've had a, a low handicap for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, I, I love training and trying to get better at it. Um, I play um, another sport too. I try to do um, Paralympic skiing. And so that, that's what I do half the year, alpine skiing. The other half of the year, I do the golfing. And um, both sports kind of feed off each other because skiing makes me a lot stronger, which feeds into the golf. And um, I guess my overall, what I really like about the sport here is um, the harder you work in the right ways, you do get better. Like my knowledge of the golf swing has, has helped me over the years. So the older I get, I am getting better. So I really like the the objective of just getting better at things and, and being good, maybe even impressing people. And then um, now having this um, Paralympic golf goal and the disabled golf circuit, that gives me more of an incentive or something I can play for besides just my own satisfaction getting better. Now it's something like, let's go be as good as these guys and try to beat these guys that are, that are just incredible athletes as well. So it's that's sort of the, the thing that pushes me. One is getting better at the game and just being as good as I can be and the two is now I have something big to play for. Well, you're, I mean, you're already, because obviously it's the first event that was played in the in the US on the world ranking. And so you're already <laughs> moving up that list. And th- what, what do you think about the ranking? Is that something that uh, gives you more opportunity to compete against other players from around the world? Yeah, it's really cool. I was scared that um, us Americans were a little behind the eight ball there. 
because um, I looked at the ranking list and people had already played in like six or seven events um, since the rankings came out, and I've only played in. I think this was my fourth event I've ever played in for Sable Golf was that one a couple weeks ago. And so um, I'm hoping I can play in enough events to make a splash in that. But it's really cool to see the forward movement for disabled golfers because my first, my very first um, exposure to it all was a meeting where uh, we had a bunch of the Americans get together and try to figure out how we can make golf a Paralympic sport. And it was very slow moving and it was like we were fighting against it and couldn't really get golf on the, the global stage. And now with that world golf rankings, like we're doing it. We have a lot of momentum. It's really exciting to see the sport turn into something that we, we wanted it to be um, for like when I first heard about it. So it's really cool that the ranking do it. And it's, um, I mean, it's certainly something to shoot for myself, but the biggest thing for me, that's, that's helping us get, get golf uh, further on, on into our big goal, which is getting into the Paralympics. Well, when you spoke about that, you, you um, in a few weeks' time, you, you're the USGA uh, selection to be playing in a, what is really a groundbreaking event. Uh, we, we played a couple of events previously, and, and once certainly down in the in Australia last year, which was very good. Uh, but this one you're going to play in is the Edgar Scottish Open, which will take place inside of the Aberdeen Standard Investment Open, and that's going to be held at the Renaissance Club in just down the road from Muirfield, which is a an open venue. But Renaissance Golf Club is a fantastic golf course anyway. So what do you expect to experience in, in Scotland, uh, Chris? Well, I expect I'm going to be kind of blown away by everything. I mean, ever since I got the invitation, I thought it was almost a joke when I first heard about it. It was so cool. Um, but I'm just, I'm going to try to go there and enjoy as much as possible of it. And just being around um, that sort of turn atmosphere, something that I I dreamed of, like, as a kid, like, walking down, like, go to freshman man it'd be cool to play in something like this and now that like I mean I know it's a separate event but I, I know it's a separate event but I'm just going to be on cloud nine the whole experience and I really hope I play well and make the best of it but um, it'll be hard not to have an absolutely great time out there I'm beyond excited Great. And and just tell me a little bit about your game. So have you had any any coaches or any programs that have really helped you to develop your game? Or is that something that you work on kind of with yourself? Or how, how does that work for you? Yeah, well, along the way, it's, uh, it's been a long process um, from when I very first started to, to where I am now. Getting started, the first tee program um, helped out a ton um, because, like, just learning golf for me, I'm sure there's a lot of there's a lot of falling down. There's a lot of figuring out how to do that with my balance. And the first tee program gave me enough um, opportunity to to spend time. Like they weren't gonna like give up on me in the beginning. It was let's give this um, give me and everyone else in the program as much opportunity as possible to play. Like money was really wasn't the issue. They let us um, hit balls for almost nothing and play all the time. So that's where I, I got good enough just by pure practice and then helping me out. And then when I went into high school, I really wanted to play well. I had a professional named Troy Beck. Troy? Um, Do you say Troy? Troy? Yeah. yeah, Troy Beck. Yeah. yeah. And she um, she turned me from being someone who loved playing golf to someone who could really be good at golf. My, my first two years of, of high school golf were, were mediocre at best. And I mean, at that point, I didn't really have any huge goals of playing golf. 
past high school. Um, but then I started getting lessons from Troy Beck, who's a PJ professional in my area. And I've heard great things about her um, just through friends and, and uh, my physical therapist, actually. And I uh, went to go see her and she completely like turned my game around. She was one of those type of professionals where she, um, you could tell the lesson didn't end after I, I left the lesson key there. She kept thinking about it all the time. Um, she did whatever she wanted. She watched me play in tournaments. She really took, she pushed me and didn't want to see me uh, like settle for anything less than what I could be, I guess. The way she taught me, this is a little anecdote from the first uh, lesson we had, is uh, we were trying a few things, and I was like losing my balance a little bit. My parents were there, my therapist were there. And, uh, Troy turned my parents, or, like I, I hit a ball, and I lost my balance a little bit. And my mom was like, yeah, well, if he does movements like this, he might like fall down that way. And then he's like, hey, like, mom and dad, like, let's go wait in the car. And then let me work with Chris. And then they left. And, like, she was like, right, look, you might fall down a few times today. Like, well, let's do this. I'm like, well, exactly. That's what I want. Like, let's get better. Let's figure this out. So she pushed me to the limit. And um, that's when I really started getting good um, compared to what I was. And that is what started momentum. Um, so I had a great end of my high school career, which made me want to play in college. And then in uh, in college, um, the staff at the my school, so Methodist University has the professional golf management program, and there's um, five PGA professionals on staff. Um, they have like the, the golf coach, the instructor, the head of the program, assistant director, and they're all PGA professionals and have been around the game their whole life. And so we have a huge team to help us out and be better, especially um, like Coach Conley, who was our golf coach the last two years really took an interest in the same attitude as just pushing me, let's be good, period. Let's like get even better, even if you might fall a few times, but keep pushing. So I got a lot to that, that next level in college. And then um, since then, and even in college, my current boss is, his name is Eric Eshelman. He's a director of golf at the Country Club of Birmingham, where I work now. And he turned in, he was my golf coach in uh like my swing coach i did internships there my sophomore uh junior and senior year of college and before um my freshman and sophomore year in college i did not make the golf team and i did internships with him um after my sophomore year and he knew that was a huge goal of mine so he took a great interest in in making me better and he's an incredible um golf coach he actually is a swing coach for paul dunn who's playing in the scottish open Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, he is the same way as my, my other previous coach. I sort of have a tight in the coaches that stick with the ones that he was pushing me. Um, and he was very, he's sort of like a, a genius. And, and he knows the one thing, for because for, he knows me so well and my disability. And he knows the one things that that help me the most. And he always keeps me on track. And he's um, he helped me take my game to the next level where it is now. And so I had a great, I'm so fortunate to have a great team that helped me get better and better. Just not specifically in the, the golf swing side of things and golf game side of things. In addition to, um, now in, um, in Birmingham, there's an organization called United Ability, which, um, helps people, kids and adults with disabilities. And they do a great job. I've had treatment there and they're helping me improve on my disability too. So the better my body feels, 
um, the more I can do in the golf swing. So it's kind of been a back and forth, a good team effort um, recently. You seem like you, you seem like you've been surrounded by, and when I say this, I don't mean in any in any bad way. You've been surrounded by good coaches. You've made yourself available to them, and you've then had some good coaches, and that's obviously helped you from what you've said and. You're, you have an interest in coaching because obviously as a golf professional, and I, I, I myself am a golf professional, have been for the last 40, uh, 42 years, so a little bit longer than I uh, would perhaps care to think about. But you, you, you're running the junior program. You've had good coaching. You've exposed yourself to new uh, experiences by playing with disabled players for the very first time, I think you said, in 2016. Mm-hmm. So all of that must give you a very different kind of approach to the way that you see a regular student come through the door and how you help them. Is, is that true? And if so, how is it true? Yeah, it's definitely true, um, especially since I've started seeing the um, or playing with the disabled golfers. So I've always been around coaching and I've always figured out, I've always had a thought um, that I'm not good enough to do the things I'm not like physically able enough to do the things that I want to do with the golf swing. Um, so I my own uh, modification, I say, to my swing, but so do everyone in the um, disabled circus. So I love taking videos of like Juan Castigo or some of the other guys that I play with and showing my students. Like, oh, I got like a, I had like knee surgery eight years ago. Like, I've been great. Like, yeah, well, look, this guy doesn't even have uh, that way. And look, he can he can kill it. So it, it helps you just have that extra punch with the students. It's like, look, we, we can do this. I'm going to try to have that same push that my teachers had with me is I don't want to go there and tell them the one magic thing that'll fix the little slight straw. I want to push them a little bit and see um, this, the right students, but push them and, and um, see how far they can go and see them get better. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the same thing that's taught me a bunch too is when I go, um, for the winter and I ski and I train, um, I've had exposure to being trained at a different sport. So it's not just completely golf information. And that's helped me um, a ton as well. Is just learning how top coaches teach in skiing a different sport and similar differences that in golf and how I can apply that to um, the swing patterns and movements of the golf swing. So I've had a lot of good opportunities to learn from, from people on how to train in that sense as well. It's a continual learning cycle, isn't it? Yeah, always. So I get the impression that golf has been really essential for you. And could you walk me through what golf means to you and how it's had this positive impact on your life? I mean, I know you've covered many of those areas during our conversation so far, but certainly what does golf mean to you? Well, golf and and the other sports I play is when I'm playing them, I'm no longer like, I don't feel like I'm disabled during those moments. I mean, like when I'm walking down the street, um, you can tell I'm disabled and it's like, I don't know, it's different. And then when I'm playing golf, it turns from, wow, he's not doing that as well as others to now, wow, he's doing that better than others. So golf was sort of my my backbone. And um, so when I golf, I feel like, um, like everyone else when I ski I feel like, like I'm like everyone else um, and it's just something that I got really good at in, uh, in a world where before that in sports I was never the best at it like it's something I, I can really be good at so I love outside of just love for having fun in the game I love being good at something 
and great something. I want to get better at it. So golf is that platform for me to be as good as I want. And it's something, a sport that I can channel all my workout efforts to and all my free practice time to, um, something that I can keep getting better and better. And it's turning to in high school. It was certainly like an obsession is like, this is what's making me cool. This is what's making me, uh, like have a blast to be good at something. And now it's like, I just, I want to get as, as good as I can get. And I want to see how far it can take me. So golf has been that, that rock that's kept me on the right path. Um, you seem to be very determined. Um, you seem to be very focused on what you're trying to achieve and, and continually learning. Is there anything that you've learned about yourself through golf? Through golf? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing was, um, like in high school, I probably had more of a, uh, I wore my heart and my sleeve more in golf and I put too much pressure on myself. Um, it's over time I've learned just a little more perspective is the game and how I play each day is not that important, but it's how, um, I, I come off. Like I'd rather play a bad round and come off, um, as like a nice person and to, uh, as a joy to the others I'm playing with, as opposed to playing great and being kind of jerked the whole time and tossing clubs and yelling around. So it's the, the more I play, the more I realize the golf is, I've had perspective with it and it's, it's not the end all be all, but it is something great. I mean, I watched you, I watched you play in, um, in Richmond. I didn't watch all the holes because I had obviously many people to watch, uh, mm -hmm. but I watch you each day for at least some of the holes. And uh, you never give me the impression of somebody who'd be chucking the clubs or, you know. No, I haven't, haven't done that in a long, long time. That was... <laughs> so obviously something's worked there. Um, yeah. Again, you're involved in the business of golf. And so you see it from the inside. And I'm not necessarily saying from your golf club. I'm just saying from the inside of golf, you could make two or three decisions that would positively impact golf for the disabled. What would you do? Yeah, the... Uh... The first one is you want to make it, I want to make it as inclusive as it was for me when I first started, but maybe even better. So when I first started, I was, uh, golf was several policy in the first tee program playing with all types of golfers. So, um, I was the only one that was disabled in my particular group. Um, but I didn't need any equipment, but I would want to have programs like that, um, have the resources to, to have a solo rider or, like the wheelchair golf course or adaptive equipment, just so that it's more inclusive. And I don't want to have separate organizations that are just focused on disabled golf. I want to try to blend them together, at least in the junior area, so that they can all just be a part of the same golfing experience that I went through. So I think that's why I'm here now. I got to play against able-bodied golfers from the very beginning, and that made me have a different sense of how good I needed to be. Whereas maybe disabled golfers right now, when they get started, they have probably good to their their other buddy with a disability, but they're they're not getting that same push and that same realization where if I want to be good at that, that's where I need to be. So that's kind of one is I want more the resources. I, I wish we could supply the big programs that help out junior golfers with the resources to provide adaptive equipment and to advertise it and to be able to be a place that people with disabilities can go to get started just like people without disabilities can go to get started. Yeah, I, mean, I think you've raised two, two very good points and certainly your first point, I think that's where golf is so much better than many of the other sports in that 
that, that generally speaking, and, and you mentioned it earlier, that you spend more of your time playing golf with able-bodied golfers or regular golfers, if you like, um, than you do do with disabled players. And it, it gives you that opportunity to have pure inclusivity within the sport, which I think is one of the really powerful things for our sport. And, and certainly, you know, many of the events that we try and do now, we try to get as, as much as possible the opportunity to be able to play with regular players and, and certainly encourage people to play in their golf clubs and using the handicap system, of course, makes us, makes it able to do that. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And we still have the next step of giving them adaptive equipment um, yeah. and just be educated on how, how to teach those guys. Yeah, and I mean, there, there is certainly, it's an awareness campaign that needs to be to be done to allow the, the, the golf courses to understand that you know, having people with disability within the golf club and playing regularly in the competitions, etc., is not only the right thing to do, but it's a good thing to do for the club. Oh, yes, certainly. And it's, um, I think this next group tournament is going to help out, out a ton. It's just if disabled golfers see this on something on TV, then that's going to be a sport that they want to play tomorrow. And I want, when, when they make that call, I was like, hey, where can I go try golf out? Right. Like, I'm, uh, I'm in a wheelchair. Um, if we can make that a lot easier for them to get into, then the sport's just going to grow. But if they're like, "Oh, that's awesome! I see you got there," like let me call the local golf club, see if they have a like a, a cart that I can hit out of a wheelchair, and the answer is no. It's like, all right, well, I guess we we'll, can't do that tomorrow. Right? Yeah, that's going to hold us back. Yeah, there's no doubt, and I think certainly once once the industry starts to understand what the business potential is of. Mm. I mean, really investing in fifteen percent of the world because that's what it—that's what it boils down to. Fifteen percent of the world is disabled, and so you know that's a pretty big market. <laughs> You've got seven billion people on the planet. You know, we're talking of a few billion here that uh, are certainly more than a billion that are going to be getting involved in in um, in golf. So, or could get involved in golf. So you know, it's uh, it's a massive market. I think once they understand that, then they're a bit more open to. To investing a small amount of money in getting an awareness campaign in the area and, and getting the, the necessary adaptive equipment to be able to make it accessible for, for people of all disabilities. Yeah. So, uh, if you could just do now just one thing, or, or what do you think we should be doing to attract more people with disability? Because clearly it's, yeah. reaching, it's reaching those people that we need to do in order to be able to let them come along and say, hey, listen, this is a game I want to try. Yeah, well, the the thing I would say, um, and this is my opinion, is if we can get golf in the Paralympics, that's going to be the biggest thing we can do to attract it to others. Because for me as a disabled athlete, I turned to alpine skiing about five years ago, right after I graduated college, because it was Methodist University golf, and after that, ended, I had no further competition potential. In golf, because I I knew golf wasn't a Paralympic sport at that time, and that was about it. But skiing was, so I turned to skiing, and that's where my efforts sort of half and half, as opposed to, to all the golf. And my whole life, I didn't have that that goal to shoot for. If you we plant that goal to shoot for, then that's how people start playing. So in the skiing thing that I've seen is our programs, our junior uh, or our development programs for my ski team are filled with juniors that their big goal is I want to go ski in the Paralympics. I want to do this in the Paralympics. And so if you have that, that end goal, which is a very 
it's lofty and it's um it's something massive for these athletes to shoot for and they see that important enough to put everything into whereas if it's just um yeah i might be able to play better so i can play with my friends um that, that's big but that's not the same as somebody who wants to dedicate their life to the game the more people we have doing that the more it's going to grow when we see it on that global stage the more it's going to grow so i think that's a big probably our best marketing tool would be if we get golf into the paralympics and the world can see how great we really are and that's going to give the younger generation something that they can shoot for and something that they can make off their life as opposed to just a hobby they do every once in a while. Right. And do you think a world tour would have a similar effect? So, you know, maybe a dozen events or so that are of, of high prestige, such as, for instance, the one that we just mentioned that you're going to play in, in a couple of weeks' time, uh, the, the, the an Open Championship, the U.S. Open Championship run by the USGA, World Championships, and, you know, a couple of dozen, maybe a dozen, but to start off with, but maybe going on to, you know, 18 tournaments a year or something similar to that. Do you think that would have a similar kind of effect? Yeah, that that would be, that would. Um, the one thing that holds me back from jumping full on board on that is, like, the cost of things. I mean, you guys were extremely generous in helping us out with the cost of this tournament, which makes it possible for me to go to. But that's something that I was a little hesitant about my solid world rankings is, well, I'm only playing one tournament per year up to this point because they're the ones in the United States and I can't afford to to take off work and like just money holds you back from doing all these things. Right. And so if there was ever, if there's any like potential for, for funding, um, at least to, to get us to the tournaments, kind of like um, you're, you're doing for this one, that helps out a ton. But realistically, I, I couldn't pitch it to, I couldn't play in, that many events um just because it's like not not cost like i would run out of money i right. wouldn't be able to afford that that sort of lifestyle yeah, so have to come with have to be big enough where we could have like sponsorships or some sort of way to make it sustainable um but but in the the end of that though the, the few terms that we can play in um that is really what makes my competitive world revolve around for like before we, we all we had was that United States Disabled Open and then the National Fatigue Off Association's tournament. Um, so I played in one, maybe two events per year. And that wasn't enough to keep me going. Um, but those still were just in the United States. Um, and I'm very excited about the prospect of a, a big tour, but I, I'm just thinking of myself and how, how I would make that happen. Um, it'd be tough, but I probably played as many as I could. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think a world tour uh, on the disabled stage would look a little bit different than it perhaps does on the on the the kind of the tours that we see, the PGA Tour, European Tour, Ladies Tour, etc. I think it'd look a little bit different than that. Uh, and certainly in the beginning, I think it would look different. It would look different until the necessary funds and resources are there to be able to back the players to be able to go and play those events. And I think it would be more likely that, you know, if there was three or four events of, of that magnitude that were being played in the States, then it's pretty likely that, you know, the, the, the dominance of players would be from the States. And it would be the same for Europe, it would be the same for Australia, it would be the same for South Africa, perhaps. And and so there might be, whatever it is, 12, 16 tournaments a year. And, and you know, you, you probably find that most of the athletes might play four or five of those events because they have the capacity to get time off work. I think. Yeah, well, I would absolutely love that. And that yeah. would also be really cool if we have the, the big ones that 
would attract the best players as opposed to players thinking, oh, like, should I go to this one? Is it going to be a great field? But if we have that, that forward, we'll know, okay, why don't we have um, an event on that tour? We know it's going to be a, a great field, and it's really going to be something that uh, was a great competition. And that's sort of how the way it is in our, our skiing circuit is we know every race we go to, we're going to have tons of um, good competition. And then the national team athletes on the will be, I guess, the skiing equivalent of what this golf tour would be. They're always going against the same group of top, top players. Um, and then they're, they're able to make it work. They probably have seven or eight races they go to per year. Yeah. Um, so definitely see that that working big time. And I would love to go to as many of those as possible. If we can get that going, that would be incredible. I mean, what do you think that the future holds for you? Um, I'm not really sure. Um, that's, I guess, kind of exciting. But I just want to see how far I can take this. And I have gotten a lot better um, at, at golf just since having this to shoot for. And it's really gave me the incentive to go um, for the next level of my game and just see how long it goes. So, my my huge goals in life uh, right now, too, are to ski in the Paralympics and to golf in the Paralympics. If I can do both of those, then that, that would be like the absolute best case scenario for my athletic career. Um, but I just want to see how far I can take these because this, this golf thing is still kind of new. It's only the past four years or three years um, since that tournament of 2016 where I've been thinking about, wow, I can play um, and be a a big golfer in this disabled circuit. So I really, I, just, I want to see myself continue to pursue these athletic goals. And I, I want to grow my game as everyone is growing the sport of golf and see how big we can make it. Because I mean, it's, it's a blast. Of all the things that you've learned from playing golf, are there any takeaways that you think others might be able to learn from? Yeah. Um, it, my big thing golf doesn't matter what you do today because if you're having a bad day or a bad week, you can always get better. There's no huge, unless you're like a massive golfer playing in the Masters and it's the last time. Like there's always a tomorrow that you can get better and just to continue to learn from what you're doing. And if you're, unless you have some crazy injury, you're you're not you're not done. So yeah. I would say don't don't put so much pressure on what you're doing today because what you're doing today is a result of what you how you prepared and so it's, it's literally it's just it's, it's what's probably supposed to happen you can change that by having like a great day or being the right mindset but it would be don't put so much uh, weight on what's happening today and put all the weight on what you can do tomorrow to make even what you did today you think was good that much better and continue to grow yeah, that's pretty cool i think certainly we've heard lots of different comments around about preparation and, and just staying in the moment of doing what you're doing and you're right there's, there's so many people put too much pressure on what they do today and uh, I think you, you've, you've hit the nail on the head there that's very good advice I've got one more question that I'd really like to ask which we ask to every, everybody who we do an interview with we ask the same question and this one is is pretty key I guess it's so if you could magically be with someone who has a similar disability to you what advice would you want to offer them? I would, uh, geez, I'd want to tell them to, to just let's see what you, let's, let's fall down a few times. Um, I want to push them. 
I want to see how far they can go. And I want to tell them to try to become as, I'm only sorry, Graham here, but see how little your dis- you can make your disability affect your, your body. So when you're, for myself, I want to have them combine going to the gym and working on a program and seeing therapists. I want to push them to go through as many avenues as they can to learn how their disability works and how they can fight that to, to get better physically. And that's going to help them do things in, in golf better or whatever sport they want to play better. So I really want to push them to get, um, to do it as much as they could to become normal or more normal than they are now um because that's just like every little bit closer you get to being less disabled the more you can do and so i want them to be the best i want them to hit that ceiling of their potential and their physical abilities and their physical state so that they can get better in whatever sports they want to play uh, great advice and, and certainly it seems to me that not only do you push yourself chris but you also push your therapist I guess you also push your coaches and I guess you've pushed pushed all those people around you so that they have to be better as well. And that's certainly something that I recognize um, as a a coach that many times my players have pushed me to be a better coach because they've come up with challenges that I needed to try and solve or I need to try and help them to solve. And uh, that made me a better coach much more than I probably made them a better player. They made me a better coach. And uh, it seems like you're doing that with all the people that are around you. Yeah, I'm trying. Well, you're doing a good job of it. Um, Chris, if anybody wanted to reach you, how could they find you? Uh, they could do it on um, Instagram or Facebook. Um, I can uh, try to send you that, that, that information. Um, do you guys have that over in, in uh, Europe? Pretty uh, sure, right? Absolutely, we do, yeah. And uh, so if you can send that to me, if you don't mind me putting that out with the article, then I'll, I'll do that for sure. And I'm pretty sure that there'll be somebody who listens to this recording or reads the article that accompanies it who goes, well, I'd really like to speak to Chris and you know maybe uh, get a little bit of advice from him. So if you're mm-hmm. okay with that, then we'll publish it. Um, yeah, is that no. okay for you? Yeah, definitely. Hey, Chris, well, good to speak to you and uh, we'll speak soon. All right, sounds great. Thanks for, Thanks for making the time. I appreciate it. Ciao, ciao. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. This was an Edgar Player story, supported by Ping, helping golfers to play their best. For more information about Edgar, please visit edgargolf.com. Stay tuned for the next Tough Love and Second Chances podcast. Ping. Play your best. <laughs>